Hey, have you heard about Anchor? You probably haven't heard about Anchor yet, so let me tell you about it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. You probably hear other people talk about how they make podcasts. If they say it's easy, they're crazy. All of their methods are really hard and complicated, but Anchor, super simple. First off, it's free. They have creation tools that let you make the podcast right from your phone. You don't even need a computer. This is 2019. Who uses computers anymore? Anchor distributes your podcast on all the other platforms. No need to go do all that complicated searching and hosting and posting. Hosting and posting. They do it for you. You can also make money from your podcast. Well, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now because you're listening to this ad. They've got everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. No need to search around all over the place. No need to go to 20 different sites. Just one. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Bet you thought I was going to sing right here, didn't you? Are you looking for the hottest news out of the obstacle racing scene? Want to stay up to date on the freshest info, the latest podiums, and hear interviews with the who's who in OCR? Well, you've come to the wrong place. Well, some of that you'll find here. But we're not the media. This is not ORM, OCM, OCRM, ORCM. This is OCR Talk. What's up, everybody? This is Jason Dupree. Hey, and I'm Anna Landry. And you're listening to OCR Talk. Thanks for listening in to episode number four. We just finished recording episode three, and we're continuing with episode four because we had so much to talk about. We talked about a ton of Tough Mudder stuff for like 45 minutes or however long that was. Too much to add on to it and put into a single episode. So here we are with another one. Exactly. So Tough Mudder got there. <laughs> Got their own episode. Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> uh, Will Hicks can just play one of play that one for one of his if he runs out of information. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's let's get into some non tough mutter news and information. Yeah, we're gonna be talking about some different uh, different brands finally. <laughs> we mentioned the Def Race what episode one or two, and how they're bringing that back, which is pretty cool. But one of the things I think we've kind of failed to talk about was how it costs zero dollars to join in. So I did some looking into it. It was just too intriguing not to, right? So so this whole peak races thing, it's part of their their endurance events that they're putting on this year. And it's basically all these endurance events that are going on in Vermont. And peak races, is that's something that Joe DeSena is doing, right? He's not credited it. Um, directly, but you know, it's Vermont and, and the Spartan logo is on their logo. <laughs> so I'm sure he's in it somehow. From what I could tell, it's, ju- it's just, you know, this racing company that was put together or all these um, endurance events and ultra events that are just put together by all kinds of different ultra and endurance athletes that, you know, have come up with these different types of races and challenges. So yeah, the death race is one of their events. And it's actually $4.31 to register. And I think that's just the administration fee or, you know, whatever <laughs> to register. Fee, yeah. But what I saw was that there's already, there's already a waiting list. <laughs> and wow. 
I think they capped it at 100 participants. And I think they capped their waiting list at 400, if I read that correctly. Oh, geez. Yeah, there's quite a few people trying to get in on this death race. And they start out by telling you, you may die. (laughs) 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 That's their thing. That's their that's their draw. But they don't tell you a start date. They they have the start date listed on their website and on a Facebook event as uh, July 12th, which is subject to change, apparently. But then they have it going all the way until September 1st, because that's the other thing is that they don't tell you when it's over. <laughs> they just <laughs> or you don't know when it's over. They just, you know, I guess they just tell you or, you know, you have some sort of challenge and then that's it. I don't know what, you know, the culmination leading up to that is. So it's all just a series of events that's just going to test your mettle and and then they're going to be like, okay, you completed it. Congratulations. Yeah, and it seems, you know, a little closer to, say, a hurricane heat or something where you basically have people just telling you, hey, go do this, go do this, run here, do that. And it can be tough. It can be tough mentally just because you don't know what's coming up. Or yeah. how long what you're doing is going to last. Right. And then you're provided with this gear list that's full of random things <laughs> like a sack of onions and a post hole digger and <laughs> just, you know, random items that you're like, what in the heck am I going to do with all of this? What, what are they going to ask me to do? So you don't know what you're in for until it happens. Yeah, I saw some video of some of the old ones where they were packing those post hole diggers around on their backs. And at some point, they had to eat an entire onion. Oh, gosh, (laughs) that would be terrible. (laughs) I think they had to take a bag of coins and carry it somewhere, and it had to weigh the perfect right amount. Or, I don't know. It sounds sounds crazy. It's not for me. Uh, I'd rather know where the finish line is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to know that at least at some point, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but... God bless them, those people that are going out to do that. That's some crazy stuff for sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's kind of sort of on my bucket list <laughs> just because <laughs> out of sheer curiosity. <laughs> well, if you decide to do it, I'll come out and cheer you on. <laughs> Moving on to, I guess, kind of all things Adrian B. Janata is uh, <laughs> the next topics. The American OCR Association has come up, and this thing seems very similar to the U.S., OCR Association, or whatever it was called, but I've heard Adrian Bijanata, the guy that's like one of the main people running OCR World Championships, I've heard him talk about it, which gives me a little bit more faith in it, whereas I saw all that US OCR stuff with memberships and fees, and uh, it just feels uncertain and iffy, but this one doesn't as Yeah, they're two separate entities. Basically, what they're doing is trying to get something that works for uh, the racers. And so even though you're paying memberships, it's not so that these people can make money. It's not a profit-providing entity. It's something that will help build the community, from what they say. From a idea standpoint, it sounds, to me, better than what the USOCR, champ- or USOCR group was doing. Yeah, and that's one of the things on the uh, American OCR Association thing it has on their FAQ, on their frequently asked questions is, you know, that's mainly what people want to know is whenever you become a member, you pay the fee, 
but where does that money go? So, you know, they say that it's going to go back into the community. Now, like you said, that could be anything from, you know, race directors handling logistics to them working together somehow. Um, I know he talked about that in another interview that I, I listened to. Or, you know, that could go into the events or just benefits for the racers because they have a lot of really good benefits to becoming a member. Yeah, and some of that stuff is like a, one of the benefits is 10% off a race, you know, different races. And they don't have a ton on the list at, at this point. Terrain races on there, but I've already bought my tickets for that. So it's not, that's not a huge draw for me. But hearing Adrian Bijanata talk on Strength and Speed podcast with Evan Preparis, in there, he mentioned how one of the, how you're going to get all these perks when you go to OCR World Championships or the North American World Championships. So that's kind of what drew me in even more. So it was not only is this guy who I trust because I've run his races and, you know, met him in person and stuff like that, but also I see a tangible thing. Oh, this is where that money is going to get me some some extra perks and it's going to be cool. So I actually went ahead and, and joined because I'm looking forward to those events and going to be there. So. Yeah, I haven't I haven't joined yet personally, but which I don't blame you for. I'm like like I said, I I, I found my own reasons why it, it made sense to me, and they've got to find that, and and they've got to find that where it it really stands out to everybody else, because not everybody's gonna dig into it as much as I did to find out that information. Right, exactly, and you know, just doing just doing the research, I'm interested to see kind of how it all unfolds and what they do with the funds that they raise from it. I know them being pretty new, um, the memberships are probably going to be cheaper right now <laughs> than they will be in the future because in order to provide more perks for the racers, all that kind of has to cost money, um, unfortunately. So all that means higher fees, but then that would also mean better perks for members. So it's kind of a trade-off. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of interested to see where it goes and see if, you know, they get more partners because I know they're trying to trying to get more brands involved in it and just kind of bring all of it, all of the different OCRs together and collaborate. They definitely seem like they're doing a good job of that, at least Aventurine LLC, the group that uh, the company, I guess it's the parent company that OCR World Championships is under because they're doing things like OCR World Championships and now they've got the North American World Championships and the Enduro Race in Australia, and now the OCR South American Championships. Very interesting that that's like the next place that they went from North America, but they've partnered up with the Toyota Warrior Race, and they're going to hold one of their regional races. This is what it is, so it's just like our North American race that's going to be a feeder into the OCR World Championships. That's pretty interesting that, that it's reaching different parts of the world and bringing a lot of different racers together, I think. The Toyota Warrior race to me is interesting in itself because I, I did hear about it like last year and it was the, I think it was the Jeep Warrior race. So they've actually got, I mean, a really big sponsor in car companies. So they went from Jeep to Toyota and that's how they branded. They branded, that's the race. It's like calling, uh, you know, here the, the stadium, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, is called the AT&T Dallas Cowboys Stadium, or whatever, however they actually word it. But 
this is something that I don't feel like I've seen from OCR in America, where while we have Spartan, we don't we don't ever call it Reebok Spartan. I mean, nobody refers to it like that. Yeah, especially not now. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> now we don't know what to call it. <laughs> yeah. But the that that's the only way I've ever heard to that warrior race described or named is the sponsor warrior race. So maybe they've got something figured out there yet that we don't have here yet because we know that sponsors is what brings in the money that will pay out the elite athletes, which will bring in even more athletes and make the whole thing get bigger and more profitable and better for everybody. Yeah, because a lot of what you see here is a lot of, you know, different nutrition companies and athletic apparel, Mm -hmm. obvious things like that. But getting a car sponsored, that's like, that's like almost professional sport status right there. Because, you know, you watch TV and you're watching the Super Bowl and you see a commercial for BMW or Jaguar or something like that. So having a big name like that attached to a race, that's that's a draw in itself because of, of the sponsor. And all this stuff happening all over the world, it's kind of funny how you grow up and you go to school and you learn, uh, you know, when you're in Louisiana, you learn Louisiana history and you have no idea what happened in the rest of the states. Exactly. So we, we're kind of... <laughs> I feel like we're kind of in that at some sometimes that we we so focused on our our country and what's happening here. I mean, there's tons of OCR stuff happening all over the world that's really awesome. Uh, so one of the things going on is there's another organization now called World OCR, and uh, as far as I can tell, it's just another federation that's trying to help uh, combine all this stuff as a governing body and help organize all these different races and groups. So that it just all works together and works smoother. Now, I don't know a ton about them yet, but it's cool to see that happening. You know, somebody out there is either one, trying to make money, or two, trying to further the sport. And obviously the second one is is what we're hoping. Yeah, and I think I heard Adrian talk about, about that World OCR organization as well. So, like in America, it's easier to get all these smaller companies together. But once it's on a much larger scale and trying to get, you know, different countries involved and everything. Just the administrative side again and all the logistics is a little bit more complicated, but I definitely think that there is something to be learned of what's going on in other countries and, you know, how they're handling their events and just what we can learn from it. I mean, either way, I think it definitely furthers the sport because if the race directors are making money, then that just means better events, hopefully. <laughs> the better they're doing, the better it is for all of us. We're, we're the ones that win. So we've traveled across the ocean all the way to South Africa and then talked about the world. Let's bring it all the way back down into our little, our little bubble. We're seeing a couple of kids-only races happening. Not only did I see one random one in the Fort Worth area that's happening within, uh, I think, like four weeks... It's only kids. You know, you can still run with your kid, but there's no adult waves, which is pretty pretty neat. And then on top of that, Conquer the Gauntlet has their own series of kids races. So it's not just going to be like one or the mini mutter at their normal events, but a separate event happening on completely separate weekends. Very interesting that this is, this is going on, I think. Yeah, the Young Lions uh, Conquer the Gauntlet kids races. I did see them come out with that and 
you know, you definitely want to make it a family event that you can bring the whole family to and have a good time. So those of us with kids don't have to worry about, oh, who's going to watch my son or daughter while I'm out doing this race or, you know, whatever the case may be. And not only that, but a lot of the reasons why people get into fitness and things like that is because they have kids and because they want to be better for their family and set a good example. And you want to kind of introduce them to that early and, you know, also just see the community and see how everybody works together and how it's a good time. (laughs) So yeah, for anybody that's interested, the one in Fort Worth, I believe it's called Kids Obstacle Challenge. And it is on April 14th um, in the, I'd say South Fort Worth area. So that's pretty awesome. I'll be at that one with with my daughter Layla and going to be running beside her encouraging her that's coming up in a couple weeks unfortunately i think the conquer gauntlet when that is here is the same weekend as a race that i already have so i don't think i'm gonna make it out to that one conquer gauntlet theirs is they're like you said they're calling it the young lions conquer youth conquer youth.com is actually their their separate website for this but looking at their events the dallas one is on is on april 21st whereas their normal dfw race is in june 2nd so yeah completely different times not even like the weekend after where they would still have their stuff set up right so it's not like a kid's race at a tough mudder or a spartan where you know it's going on later on in the day maybe after you've run your race right this is completely completely separate event that you get to run alongside your kid but you're not out there there's not going to be adult waves that's pretty cool that they're they're centering it around youth. I like that. Yeah, it, it's definitely, you know, hopefully it makes money for them to help their company grow their company. But more than anything, you got to know that, I mean, you got to think that they're doing it because they want to invest in the youth. And that, in turn, will hopefully help grow their brand in the future as well. So we got reached out to by a local race in Ohio called the Black Swamp Runner. But they reached out to us and told us how much they liked the podcast. And, you know, they were also plugging their own race. So I was checking it out. If I didn't have so many races on my calendar already, I'd definitely like to go check it out. It's called Black Swap Runner. It's in Ohio. And it is, they have actually three races throughout the year. You'll have to go to their website to check out the, the dates and times. But so they have one event that is just, you know, just a regular OCR in the traditional sense then they have another one that is called a moonlight mud run so it's at night and then there's another one that's like the kind of zombie themed uh, I, I don't know if you get actually chased by zombies at that one like you do some of these other races but it's called night of the dead run so check them out if anybody goes out there you know let us know how it is so we can know if we need to go next year yeah and their um their black swamp dash that's one of their their events. That's their OCR event. It's on June 16th. It is now officially an OCR World Championship and North American OCR Championship qualifier. The overall top male and female qualify you for the pro wave at either of those North American or World OCR events. And then in order to compete in the age group at those events, it's the top seven in each age group. There's different rules, I think, surrounding that. Like if there isn't enough people in that age group participating, then you have to be, what, like the top 50%. Top 50%, yeah. (laughs) 
having a smaller, less known race like that, that you're not going to get a lot of like pros going to, that's, that's a good opportunity. If you want to qualify and you feel like you're struggling to do it at a Spartan race, that's a good place to go to do it. Definitely. And it's for all the people that are local to Ohio. I think it's in Oak, Har- Oak Harbor, Ohio. You know, you want to support your local businesses and, and, and everything. So, but yeah, that's, I know that's why a lot of people did Warrior Dash. <laughs> the competitive <laughs> wave at Warrior Dash was because, you know, you don't have a lot of, you know, Spartan elites going to run the competitive wave <laughs> at Warrior Dash right. to, uh, to qualify for Worlds. So yeah, it's probably a less competitive field, but still challenging enough, I'm sure. So interesting news coming out of Savage Race is that their pro wave, I believe it was this past weekend in Florida, they had two timing chips. So the pro wave, they had their normal timing chip that you could probably put around your ankle. It straps on really well, so you don't have to worry about it flying off. But then they also are given another one that was very easy to take off. And you would actually turn that in if you couldn't pass an obstacle because their races are mandatory obstacle completion for the the elites. And so you just pop it off, throw it in a bucket, and then go about your business. And that registered that you didn't complete by 100%. And I know from running their races, one of the issues they had was getting the results back in a timely manner so that people could watch the podium ceremony and go on. So I think that's what they were going for is to try and get those results back faster, which is awesome. I mean, they're, they're trying something new. It may not work and people may forget about them and throw them in the mud and then they lose a bunch of money and they may scrap it and try something else. But to me, it's a good forward thinking. Let's try something new and see if it works. In theory, I liked the concept because it made sense to me that you would have two kind of separate timing chips and... You know, you still get the time that it took you to complete the race, but, you know, if you didn't finish an obstacle, you know, that's kind of where your elite time or pro pro wave ended and you weren't in the running anymore for the podium. I would really like, if someone was at that race, I would really like to know how that all went or even if anybody even attended the race, not even competing in the competitive wave, but I'd really like to see how that all all worked out. For sure. If anybody that we know or anybody listening was down at that race, hit us up on Facebook and let us know how, how the whole pro time, two timing chips, two timing chips of 2018, how that went. And they came out with that video pretty late the night before the race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. They, they had to have had that in mind. Like, there's no way they just went out and got a whole bunch more. Uh, timing chips and said hey let's try this tomorrow <laughs> yeah i don't know that's what it seemed like maybe it was it was kind of a last minute thing like they knew it was happening but then i guess they thought of all these people are going to be coming to pick up their timing chips and they're going to have two timing chips and then we're going to have millions of people asking questions and asking the same questions so they probably you know it was probably one of those things like hey let's put this out there that way we don't have a lot of people asking the same question <laughs> yeah better late than never we got a voice message on Anchor, which is kind of funny that you can leave voice mes- messages there. For podcasting, it's kind of neat because you can actually put that right into your episode uh, by using that audio. But uh, we got a message from RCH over at the, honestly, it, he said the Under Construction Podcast, and I couldn't find the darn thing. So <laughs> if anybody knows 
this guy and where his podcast is. I, I want to check it out. But he had a couple of good questions, and, and I feel honored that he came to us and, and uh, wanted some advice on some things. So let's answer his questions, see what we got. Maybe our experiences are super awesome, and uh, they'll really help him out. So one of the things that he was asking for was out about particular races. He's, I think he's just getting into it. He's got four races lined up for the year. Two of them I didn't recognize, never run, but two of them, Mud Factor and Terrain Race. I know I've run both of those. Terrain Race I'm running this weekend, and I've ran it last year too. Terrain Race, we talked about before how they are they have 50 events this year, which sounds insane across the United States for a smaller race that has a, a pretty low entry fee. But their races are good. Like, for their entry fee, it's, I would call it top-notch, because the entry fee is not nearly as much as it is for other races. But their their obstacles are still quality, and they've got some fairly challenging obstacles, too. You know, they'll have a rig with balls and different grips, and then their monkey bars that go incline and then decline over water. So they've got some good stuff in there. So definitely, you know, go into that one with the understanding that if you are a beginner, it's it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for you. You may struggle with a couple of those obstacles. Mud Factor, on the other hand, not so much. <laughs> Mud Factor, I would put, I don't, I don't like talking bad about people, but Mud Factor, I would put under Warrior Dash. Under Warrior Dash, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Mud Factor is like, I want to do a a mud run for the first time but i'm not athletic at all or i have no idea about any of this <laughs> so let me go do this and climb over a couple of walls and crawl through a couple of mud pits but that's about it so yeah the only experience i have with mud factor is just you know secondhand accounts <laughs> so I, I i i don't have a ton good to say about it they put on an event there was mud there was some obstacles it was a two-lap, like, one-and-a-half-mile kind of thing, which is kind of weird, but I guess that was the space they were working with where that race was. One of those ones that, yeah, if you're a beginner, check it out. And then, you know, decide for yourself. If it's not for you, if it was too easy, move on to something bigger and better. Yeah, and I think that's interesting you brought up earlier with Terrain Race putting on a lot of events this year. I mean, obviously it's working, right? Because this guy is just getting into it, and he's going to go do a Terrain Race. So hopefully it's working. So they'll stick around. <laughs> now, his other question was cold race prep. And I think I've done enough cold racing to have a good say on this. What about you? Yeah, I think so. Um, races in general, road races and OCRs, probably so. Yeah. Now, when you road race, which I've probably done less of in the cold, what do you do to prepare for that? And well, before we say prepare, I want to make it known that I've done races where I was very unprepared <laughs> and that's where you really learn. No, it's not about grit and perseverance. When you get cold and, and you're shivering, there's not much you can do about it. Like you can mentally say, screw this, I'm going to do it anyway, but it's still you. I mean, your body will shut down on you. Right. There is a mental factor to it. But not much, <laughs> because whenever you get cold and you start shivering, that's your body trying to tell you that something's wrong and your body's trying to protect itself at that point. So to, in my mind, it's more of a, I want to enjoy this as best I can for something that you do that you know puts you through a real challenge and, and stress. But 
to do that, I can't let myself be uncomfortable, as funny as that is to say in an obstacle race. So I, I definitely try my best to, to be as warm as I can for the situation. So when you're doing a road race, how do you prepare to keep yourself warm? What does that entail? Um, so, I mean, road racing, there's really not much to it as far as, you know, compared to obstacle racing. But road racing, you know, a lot of the the elite runners out there who are running like, you know, sub 230 marathons or something crazy like that, you know, they run in, you know, shorts and a t-shirt in cold weather. And it's crazy to look at, but I think the most important thing that's out there is just, you know, before the race to keep your body warm. And I've also heard people taking cold showers, you know, a month before an event happens just to kind of acclimate your body to getting used to the colder temperatures. But for a road race, you know, just going out there, there's probably not much prep that goes into it other than making sure you're properly hydrated because whenever you're cold, you don't really think about that as much. So to preface this, different things are going to work with different people. (laughs) So you just have to find out what works for you. I find layering, hydrating, and just keeping your body warm before the race. Also after the race, because I've been the Louisiana Marathon this year. Um, I ran the half and it was cold <laughs> the day of the 5K, uh, the Saturday before. And just running a 5K and then finishing that distance and it was still cold. But then at that point I was sweaty. It was horrible. And <laughs> you have to keep yourself warm before and after the race. I think that's a really good thing to point out is that before and after are almost just as important as during the race. Stay warm before and have some clothes to switch out into so that you're not cold after and you're comfortable after as well. Absolutely. And it's also better to start out with more layers than you need than to start out cold. <laughs> yeah, carrying extra clothes that you take off blows, but it's better than freezing. Oh, for sure. <laughs> For sure. It, you don't want to ever carry too, too much with you during obstacle course races, but I think that's probably where you could probably take a note out of the road racing part is, you know, a lot of sometimes if runners are going to, you know, a race in a different city, they'll go to like a dollar store and get like a cheap sweater that they can just toss, not even think twice about it. Toss in a trash can. Right, right. Because right. right. <laughs> we're not littering the course. <laughs> We're not littering the course. So yeah, I mean, even just starting out with, you know, a layer like that, that you can just get rid of later. But also that kind of brings me to gear because even though you may not train in cold weather, you almost want to even just test out your strategy. If you're going to start out with, you know, X amount of layers or, you know, you already even have your outfits planned for that race, then you want to kind of test it out just so you can make sure, you know, is this easy to take off? Am I going to be wet whenever I take it off? You know, what are the conditions going to be like? And when it comes to obstacle racing, getting in water is a big thing too. So that makes a big difference because when you get cold and your clothes are wet and you're wearing more clothes because it's cold outside, that can make you even colder if you have a a shirt that gets wet. Now I find that Getting my feet and my legs wet don't really bother me that much. I don't I don't get uncomfortable from that. But my upper body, if my shirt gets wet and it's cold out, 
it makes a big difference. Yeah, it just makes it a lot more uncomfortable. Now for the for the race in Tahoe last year, I knew it was going to be cold, and I knew there was a lake sc- lake swim going into <laughs> it. So that was I kind of knew. I didn't know what to expect, of course, but you know, I kind of had an idea of you know maybe I should prepare myself for this. So I did do. I did try the cold showers a couple of times. I don't like taking cold showers at all. That's just not an experience I want to put myself through if I don't have to. But, you know, I did think about what am I going to wear getting into the water and what can I shed after getting out so that I can get dry layers on me as soon as possible because I don't want to lose that body heat. Because you lose that body heat your body just goes into overdrive as far as the metabolism goes. So it just starts getting into your glycogen stores and you end up needing more carbohydrates to replenish what you've lost. And then you end up feeling like really gassed. And like you said, when you, when you move faster, your body heats up more. So the elites, you know, they're running in way less clothes because their engine is just burning so much fuel that it really does generate more body heat. And I, I've experienced that as I get faster in my training. But if you're a beginner for sure, consider maybe even bringing a windbreaker. Because if it's a really windy course or you get in the water, that little bit of breeze will make you colder too. So not only can that windbreaker block the wind, but it also will help trap the heat inside of the jacket. Yes, I had a windbreaker packed in my pack for the Tahoe race and that thing probably saved me. <laughs> I used it. I used the same windbreaker for Tahoe and I used the same windbreaker for the Dallas Ultra Beast that ended up being colder than Tahoe. <laughs> so <laughs> that windbreaker, it's such a chintzy little thing to carry and it collapses so small in my pack that, you know, it's such a simple thing to not think of. But it probably saved me <laughs> because that Ultra Beast was cold last year. <laughs> now, when it comes to races where you're constantly in the water, like World's Toughest Mudder, there you see pretty much everybody is wearing wetsuits. Yes. And that's one thing I've got to learn this year <laughs> is, is the transitioning in and out of wetsuits or, you know, even running in wetsuits. People in Louisiana are probably going to think I'm crazy for trying to go run in a wetsuit, but you better believe whenever I get a wetsuit, I'm going to go test it out and see how I run in it. <laughs> and, and shoot, toughest South may not even be cold enough for wetsuit. We'll see. Right. That's in, that's in May. Toughest South is in May. It's in Texas. Yeah, it could still be cool enough at night. It could definitely still be cold enough. Texas weather is just so unpredictable and Atlanta's going to be the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, but Atlanta's in November, so it's gonna be it's gonna be cold there more than likely. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be cold. I don't think so much Texas in May. We'll see. I'm gonna still bring it with me just in case, because I'd rather be prepared than not have it. <laughs> Always better to have and not need than to need and not have. One thing that you that you mentioned is the elites running without without their shirts. I saw people jumping into the lake in Tahoe that just shed down to their skivvies and just jumped in. Mm -hmm. And people thought they were crazy because the water was like 40 degrees. But it was actually kind of smart because whenever they got out of the water, they were still able to put dry clothes on without having to carry extra clothes with them. So, I mean, that's an idea. 
I did that at the Ultra Beast in Dallas last year, <laughs> and it, it really was a lifesaver. Like, going under the dunk wall and finding a spot where the water was, like, three inches from the bottom of the wall, and I was able to squeeze my clothes under there, you know, take off my top, my hat, and all that stuff, and squeeze that through and get out and put on dry clothes was amazing. Yeah, it was just the getting out and putting on dry clothes that was cold. I remember going under the, that dunk wall. I think it was the second time whenever I had run into a couple of my friends and they were like, Anna, your your lips are blue. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to get my dry clothes on. I'm like, I know I'm trying to warm up. <laughs> Speaking of blue, Spartan Ultra Championships for this year is going to be back in Iceland again. Oh, yeah. How about that? I mean, that's pretty cool. They they had uh, some crazy weather going on in Iceland whenever they went. So maybe they're just expecting another or a different different conditions. But I know also a lot of people, a lot of people wanted to, to go to it that weren't able to because I think whenever they first came out with it, it was kind of on short notice. So a lot of people were like, well, I've already got something planned that weekend. So, I mean, I can't go. I would have gone if I had known about it sooner. I think that'll be a good opportunity for a lot of people to go that missed it. Yeah, and I'd say I'm definitely more interested in it than a death race or a hurricane <laughs> heat or something. So, uh, and and, I've, and Iceland is, is a gorgeous, fantastic place. Not that you'll probably see much while you're there because it'll be dark most of the time. But <laughs> if even even if you can go and spend like a day at the Blue Lagoon Resort, I'd say it's worth it because it's a gorgeous country for sure. I'll go to Pitt. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll let you know if I make it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll encourage you at the uh, death race. I hope that people are able to listen to this like on their way out to a race or something because I'm going to try to get these out tomorrow or at least uh, tomorrow night by the latest so that people can uh, give them a listen on their race on their way to races this weekend or long runs. <laughs> Anyways, you know what to do. What was it? What was the saying? Listen, follow, talk. <laughs> Listen, follow, talk. OCR. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>